0: Knowing Reality, Finding Peace. Journalist Sarah Mann speaks with Jonathan Harrison, the non-dual Buddhist psychology and meditation teacher and author of the book, Ending Stress. Sarah Mann back in the studio with Jonathan Harrison, who is a non-Buddhist, but teaches uh, meditation in Israel. And uh, we're having a very interesting series of discussions about pain, stress, anger, and, uh, and how, we, how we eliminate them, or at least minimize them.
1: Can I just correct one tiny detail Go just uh, so that people understand it? I, I'm not a non-Buddhist.
0: I thought you said you weren't a Buddhist in an earlier interview. Correct. I'm neither Buddhist nor non-Buddhist. All right, very good. So Jonathan is a.
1: I'm no. I'm not defining myself. He's a nothing. (laughs) I'm just whatever I am.
0: All right, very good. No definite. We'll leave the definitions outside the studio. Right. So we are on to stress. Stress. It's killing us. It's eating us up. You know. I wake up in the morning and sometimes personally I feel overwhelmed with my life, and I'm sure I'm not alone. And sometimes I'm so overwhelmed I feel sick with stress. And what I really want to talk about with you today, i mean, you've written this great book called Ending Stress, a practical guide to non-dual meditation. But what do you think, okay, you're not a Buddhist or a non-Buddhist, but what do you, what do you think the Buddhist perspective would be on ending stress? What kind of path would we go down?
1: Uh, actually, maybe the Buddhism doesn't deal with anything else. Maybe. The Buddha is reputed to have said, uh, I deal with... One thing and one thing only. Stress and the ending of stress. And the Buddha claimed, um, you know, according to the Buddhist mythology, the Buddha claimed that the the reason for stress is demanding a reality different from what it is. The only way I can do that is because I have in my mind an alternative reality, which I think should be. And I haven't realized that the thing in my mind is just an idea. It's not real. There aren't really two alternatives. What happens always happens. Nothing else ever happens. When I realize that, but not just realize it mentally, but realize it deeply, then um, I simply look at what's happening and I do what I can with that. But I don't have the fantasy of a possibility of a different reality now because it doesn't exist. So let's talk about... So then as a result of that, you stop suffering from non-existent problems. And it turns out that's most, if not all, our problems.
0: You mean the problems we create in our heads?
1: Problems are created by feeling that things shouldn't be as they are, but they always are, always.
0: So it's really a question of acceptance.
1: No, no, no. There's no need to accept it. An acceptance of the way that things are rather than how we would want them to be. If you accept, and that's happening, it's a mental event. If you don't accept it, that's a different kind of mental event. So I'm suggesting beyond accepting and beyond non-accepting. In Zen, for example, which is a kind of Chinese Buddhism or Japanese Buddhism, they say, if you understand, things are as they are. If you don't understand, things are still as they are. So there's no need to understand or accept Things oh. are just recognized. In the East, they call it enlightenment, but I call it uh, sanity.
0: So let me ask you then, right? I mean, it's sure it's something you surely touched upon in your book. I'm interested in in if you were teaching a class or a one-on-one and somebody came to you and said, I, I need to live more comfortably. I, I don't know if that's a, a good word. Yeah, it happens all you know. the
1: time. That's what it's all about, living yeah, more well, comfortably. How do we do that? Well, I would ask him if there's anything disturbing his comfort right now, for a start, as an example. Such as? I don't know. Only he would know.
0: Okay, let me give you an example. Somebody comes into you and says, I am uh, I really need to make some changes in my life. You know, I want to lose weight. I need to stop smoking. You know, I know it's bad for me. I'm in a high-stress job, and I recognize that, you know, I, the, the only way I can really live more comfortably is to perhaps quit my job and find something mm. else to do. Hmm but they're not able to th- they they recognize this problem you know that, that's giving them a great deal of discomfort i would imagine but they don't know how to move forward to make their lives more comfortable right what what do you think you would say to them or?
1: Uh, i'm or not how tra- do you i'm feel not trying to evade the question yeah, yeah, but i, understand. I, I can't uh, but i would only know if the person was actually here because the the context, the emotional context, is so subtle that there is actually no precedent for any particular situation. So that in this work, at the fundamental level, I have no method. If I had a method, then right. by definition, it means something I have prepared in advance. No, it's I by understand irrelevant to what's All happening. All right,
0: let me give you a very personal example. Mm, that's three. Better. Y- this is much better. I share with my listeners. Three years ago, I was taken extremely ill and misdiagnosed by two doctors, and. In five days, I went from being to perfectly healthy to being in an ICU unit fighting for my life. And the doctors didn't think I would live through the night. And I spent a very long period of time in a hospital nearby. I had uh, blood transfusions. My lung collapsed many times. I had two very violent operations. That the second one, I, I had to have thoracic surgery. My chest was cut open. It was very violent. Then there followed a, a very difficult rehabilitation period. I didn't go to work for a long time. So really, it was a physical crisis, then an emotional crisis, then a financial crisis, and and it took me a long time to get through this. And sort of, but even now, I wonder if this crisis is still at the back of my mind. Not just bec- the fact that I've been left with you know, not trying to be too personal, but but you know, chronic pain and my health will never be quite the same again. But it left me feeling quite fragile, it it made me think, before I got ill I didn't take life, I, I thought I was invincible. I hitchhiked through Asia and climbed up volcanoes and went diving with sharks in the Yucatan and I thought nothing could finish me off. And apparently one little bacterial infection nearly put me six feet under. So it made me think, life is very fragile and and now I decided that I wanted to live more comfortably. I changed my career a bit. I work less. I I take more care of my health. But nevertheless, I think I'm still really stressed at the back of my mind that something like that could happen again. That it's always there. Sounds really scary. It is. It's the scariest thing I ever went through.
1: Right. I, is there? It, I understand. I mean, I don't see. It's it's very, very difficult. To have. And I think I hid it a great deal there, from people. Is there, I mean, is there, I understand the story as much as uh, anybody can understand sure. the story. Um, is there anything you're asking me?
0: I think I'm asking you. I mean, like thank you for sharing the story it's Thank you for sharing the story. Funny with enough, me. it's the first is time I ever shared it like this. Is there, is there a
1: question or yeah, is there not a question? No,
0: there is a question. Often okay. I'm lying awake at 3 a.m. Sometimes I'm in pain. Sometimes I'm working because I keep strange hours. Sometimes I think, what if this happens again? I mm. How will I deal with it again? Because yeah. I used all my energy to stay alive—my mental energy, my physical energy—but I'm not sure I could go through something like that again.
1: Well, now that's a real question that's because a real question. because the emotional fabric is here, right? Because it's real, right? Um, and I try to be brave. Uh, yeah, I don't yeah, want yeah, to cry yeah, yeah. about but it, but it's or not easy. complain
0: about it, but it's really it's scary it's not sometimes. Easy. Absolutely.
1: Well. Is it possible it could happen again? Is it, there a possibility? Uh, it's possible. Does a possibility exist? Yeah, absolutely. Right. We both know that. I think it's we quite... Hope it, I we think hope it won't. We hope
0: it won't. But, I think it's reasonably unlikely that But
1: But the possibility exists. We can't deny the possibility. Not at all. So, you could find yourself in a terrible state yet again, and God I knows know. what you have to go through, and uh, you would have to somehow get the energy, and I don't know, you deal with it the way you dealt with it right it's possible it will never happen again
0: yeah absolutely i think that's And that's you live the and, you outcome.
1: and you live to 110 happily and in good health it's possible Or uh, 120
0: no. yeah, 120 around. or 150 yeah.
1: <laughs> they say that the uh, babies who are going to live to 150 are already alive it's already i a believe a it so it's possible if it's this
0: anything to do with if, if, if they uh, ever go into echelov the hospital i was in they uh. will live to 150
1: okay so it's possible this will happen again right and then there will be all hell, and it's possible it won't happen again. Two possibilities, more or less. Now, right now, it's not happening again, correct? Right now, at this particular moment, there's no specific health crisis. There's a history, there's a possibility, but right now, so that, and this is very much touching the heart of the matter, I'm suggesting that you cannot relate at a practical level to it happening again because it's not happening again yet. It may do. Right. You cannot relate to it not happening again because that's also not happened. So all you can do is live now and wait and see. If it happens again, you'll deal with that. I hope it doesn't. If it doesn't happen again, you won't need to deal with that. And right now... We're talking, and I'm enjoying the conversation yeah, with you. Yeah, we're having a great in- day. The sun is
0: shining. We're drinking coffee. Sitting with yeah.
1: a very intelligent <laughs> and uh, <laughs> sensitive interviewer, and I'm enjoying this. Me and too. Uh, that's where I am, and I have no idea what's going to happen.
0: It's more the anxiety, and I often feel it alone, and I try and bury right. it, and I don't want to... To bore people indefinitely with it, although my closest friends were very supportive and still are.
1: What I'm suggesting is the anxiety yeah. is a result of something totally different. What's that the result of? The anxiety of? has no connection whatever with the future, although it looks like it does, because the future doesn't exist. A fantasy in your head about the future very much exists, and it's heavily influenced by the trauma you've been through. I'm so sure you're worried it'll you're happen again. You're right which means that if we want to deal with this anxiety, which is very real and very unpleasant, you be sweating and you can't focus and all kinds of stuff, anxiety, if we want to deal with that, we can only deal with it by looking at your mental processes because that's the only thing that's involved in creating this anxiety, your memories, what you've been through, this, the mental scars it's left.
0: Well, that's the interesting thing, isn't it? Because if I may share, you know, the first few months after this happened, I had a lot of nightmares. I had to go and live with my parents because I had to learn to walk again. And they said I used to scream out in the night, you know, help me, help me. And they had to come in and look after me. And I had a lot of flashbacks, you know, to the hospital and periods of time in, like, intensive care units and and being wheeled down for surgeries. And and it was very, very brutal stuff. But with time, it was quite interesting. That's that's the the fascinating thing about memory. We can often, you know, forget or put things to the back of our mind. And now I do think about these things. They're more triggered. You know, if, if I have to go, I had to go and see someone in Ichelov Hospital recently. He happened to be in the same ward I'd been taken to. It actually made me feel sick, not visiting him, but
1: yeah, the whole... Certainly.
0: It, it, no, I went outside and I was shaking. I remembered, you know, everything that I'd been through. And I wonder how we deal in life, do you, do you not understand? just me, with our mental scars. Do you
1: understand that that's inevitable? Yes. The mental scar exists. Just Absolutely. like Just like physical scars, which you must have, sure. you also have mental scars. Um,
0: the interesting thing is, I have a huge there. physical scar on my chest. You also have a huge that, mental scar. But the mental scar is just—it's it's much more hidden.
1: It's hidden, but it's there, but it's and there. it influences you. What I'm suggesting is that um, there's not much chance it would be any other way. Somebody who's been through what you've been through could not be not anxious. Once you realize that, you see the anxiety as a psychosomatic process. It sure. has nothing to do with the future. And then you stop worrying about the future because you see the anxiety is simply how I'm built and what I've been through. And right. that's it. And you see it as a pure emotion. And you don't look beyond the emotion to see what it signifies. It doesn't signify anything. The only thing the anxiety signifies is that your body is reacting this moment with anxiety.
0: And why do you think it's that possible? Is it triggers that make us act you know, with Absolutely. enormous anxiety?
1: You can read the literature. You, you get in a similar context. You were in the same ward in the same hospital, it's absolutely impossible. It wouldn't trigger associations. Right. I'm not a neurological expert by any means. I'm not a psychologist. But there's enough literature on it, All right, That's how it happens. So if you go to the same place, or if you maybe even saw somebody bandaged in the same way that you'd been bandaged, you might freak out as well. I mean, it can happen. Uh, the important thing is to recognize it so that when the anxiety occurs or the fear yeah, what or do I do? You just what do say, we all do say, in these you, moments well, of great happens, anxiety? What happens is you begin to say, and you, it's not something you should do, it's something that I'm saying will happen automatically by itself, naturally, to the extent that you have awareness, which is you begin to see, ah, oh, some anxiety. Interesting. That's how my body's reacting right now. And you go on with your coffee.
0: And what about the sweaty palms and the pounding heart? They
1: sweat. So you're more careful picking up the coffee cup because it could slip, <sighs> then you, you might get scalded, which and isn't and good. Then and then you'd be back at then the hospital. Yes, yeah. yeah, so. I'm saying you just deal with what is. And sometimes after going through what you've been through, which is an experience that you wouldn't wish on anybody, that there are mental scars and you, you under certain triggers and contexts, you'll react that way. Once you realize that, then you stop, you disconnecting your mind from thinking it has anything to do with the future. It has nothing whatever to do with the future. It has to do with your mental and physical state and they're, as they are. And you've been through a trauma, so you react.
0: I watched a very interesting film a few years ago. I've forgotten the director. It's called Letters to Boaz, I think. Uh, no, Waltz with Bashir, and it's about, a. So it's all done in, I'd, I'd recommend everyone in the United States to see this with English subtitles. It's cartoon, animation, about a man who has served in the Lebanon War, and he's having flashbacks and anxiety. He's sick, he can't sleep, and in this cartoon he goes to see a friend of his. who's a therapist, and the therapist says, tell your story, and he starts exploring the story with him. The more he explores the story and understands it, it's not that the anxiety goes away, but he has a better—he can, can keep a—he has a better grip on it. And I—I I imagine that that's it for people who go through any kind of trauma. It's a car accident, they serve in a war, they—they—they they, they watch somebody die in front of them. You know the the really difficult things that, you know, some people go through life. They have very charmed lives. Nothing so terrible happens to them. And other people go through things. I'm sure you've seen it, you know, in your classes with your patients. They go through things. That are too hard even to imagine. Absolutely. But nevertheless, we only have two choices as I see it. To, to cope with them or to slash our wrists. And I don't
1: see any choices. You react the way you react. You're built the way you build. And your choices are part of the reaction. So they, they just happen.
0: But I also think that some people, maybe this is contentious, you know, have have more willpower and more strength of character than others. To yeah, get we're, di- through. we're different. Right. Yeah, but
1: you're, but you're still, you're not different, but you're only you. So right. do you react in the unique way that you react. So if you have a trauma, you know there are people who deal with traumas, sure. and there are techniques to deal with traumas, and some of them work to some extent and more. And it's a case of finding. So I would rely on you to find maybe what can help. But what about what, am, pe- what, what about ta- people who about struggle,
0: What about people who struggle? You know, to the extent where it cripples their lives. For instance, I got up and I was very anxious to get back to work very quickly. And all my friends and the doctors said, take a rest, you know. You've worked your whole life, you can have a rest Mm. now. But for me, I wanted to get back to a routine, to learn to walk again, to be independent. Yes. But there are other people, I think, who would curl up in a ball after something like this. But you don't. I don't.
1: You're not built like that. You're built the way you built. So you got back to work.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for this very personal discussion.
1: Thank you very much for sharing with me. I appreciate that.
0: Knowing Reality, Finding Peace. Journalist Sarah Mann speaks with Jonathan Harrison, the non-dual Buddhist psychology and meditation teacher and author of the book, Ending Stress.